Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. The Institute for Justice does great work, and they take on some of the most unusual cases. <laughs> and I always mention at the end of every video I do that mentions them, I always say you should take a look at their website and consider supporting them. They're a nonprofit organization that handles cases for people who can't afford to handle the cases on their own or to hire attorneys on their own, often expensive cases, quite often constitutional issues. And quite a few people in my audience have contributed to them. And apparently, if you contribute to them and get on their mailing list, they'll send you a newsletter. So I get the newsletter also. But whenever a newsletter comes out with an update, I get a whole bunch of people sending to me saying, Steve, the Institute for Justice just won another one. They just won another one. And so I got this email yesterday directly from... The Institute for Justice, IJ.org. I'll put the link in the description below the video. But it's an update on what happened recently in court. And here's the thing. I've written books. I've written 12, 13 books. I lost count. And so, for instance, I wrote a book called Death's Door, right? I wrote this book. And if you look on the inside of the book, it says, you know, that I'm the author. And it's got a bunch of copyright information. And uh, it has an ISBN number. And, and so you can look at that and see who it is that owns the copyright to that book, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a book. Now, books have been published for quite some time. I think they go back uh, a couple decades. And uh, I'm joking. They go back quite a ways. And copyright law is one of the earliest forms of law in America because copyrights and patents were something the federal government took into consideration very, very early on. And so back in the old, old days, back in the old days, I'm talking about old, old days, double old, back in the double old days, they would actually tell publishers, when you publish a book and you claim it's copyrighted, you need to send two copies to Washington, D.C. so that we'll have them on file. So if you ever claim that you've copyrighted something, we can check our library and see. And what better proof would there be for you to say, hey, look, someone's infringing on my copyright, and I can prove it because you got two copies of my book right there in D.C.? And so you might say, well, that sounds like an interesting way of doing it, but wouldn't that be cumbersome? Well, back in the old days, maybe not, but today, when there are literally thousands of books being published every single day, if you count all this stuff that's getting shoveled onto Amazon and Kindle and so on, so got the email yesterday. It says, today at the Institute for Justice, we secured a resounding victory for the First Amendment and for property rights. Now you might say, how does that play out? Well, James Jenkins owns Valancourt Books, a small independent publishing company in Richmond. And back in 2018, he got an email from the U.S. Copyright Office, just like the type of email that Benjamin Franklin would send demanding that he provide the federal government with a copy of every single book in his catalog. So they said, send us one of each. We'll take one of each. We're not going to pay you for them, and we're not going to pay you to ship them here. Just send us one of each. And it turns out that if he said no to that, once he's on their radar, they're going to go, well, we're going to make you pay some crushing fees. Now, they don't call them crushing fees, but that's what they are. And it all comes from a little-known provision in federal law that makes it illegal to publish a book containing any new material without providing the federal government with two free copies. Two, not one, two. <laughs> Why two? <laughs> That's less than three, I guess. I don't know. So this, of course, is a relic of a bygone era 
when copyright worked very differently. Today, it's a zombie law, meaning it's a law that's still on the books, but nobody ever really thinks about it. It's completely divorced from its original purpose. But the government continues, or at least continued, to enforce it to take private property. Because, of course, when they tell you, send us two books, well, if I send you two of these, it costs me money to get them. Now, I'm just the writer, but the publisher's got to print the things, right? So the publisher's got to print two extra copies and send them to Washington. And I assume there's postage involved, and you may have to put like a cover letter in there to explain who it's going to and why. So in 2021 alone, the federal government took in material without paying a dime. Guess how much? Guess how much? <laughs> $44 million. And that is just in one year. In one year, they shook down publishers for $44 million worth of books. So in other words, the only way to exercise your First Amendment right to publish a book is to give up your right to private property. Because as you'll recall, someplace in the Constitution, it says you cannot be deprived of property by the government without some kind of compensation. You know, So Institute for Justice and the publisher both know that that's not how the Constitution works. In other words, you get to use all of the amendments. It's, oh, you want one? Oh, then you can't have two. Oh, you want to invoke the second? Well, you can't use one or four. This isn't a menu, okay? It is a comprehensive list, and it's a list of all of your rights that you have at all times. So that's not how the Constitution works. So the Institute for Justice filed a lawsuit on this man's behalf, and today a federal appellate court agreed with us, being the Institute for Justice and the publisher. The D.C. Circuit Court ruled that the mandatory deposit requirement violates the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment. Chief Judge wrote for the entire three-judge panel that modern changes to the law turned the deposit requirement into a burden untethered to any benefit. Untethered to any benefit. So... James Jenkins says it's been a long road to justice, but after five years, the Court of Appeals has ruled resoundingly in our favor, and we couldn't be happier. So now he is free to continue printing rare and out-of-print fiction books. Thank you for your support that allows us to restore the balance of power between the federal government and small businesses across the country. So right about now, other publishers are, are, are looking at their various news feeds, Publishers Weekly, things like that. And, and they're seeing this little case that came across. And it says here, a publisher named Valancourt Books took on the federal government and won. And it's a big deal to us now. Why? And publishers like, oh, I don't know, Penguin, Random House, are looking and going, wait a second. We can stop sending all those free books to Washington? <laughs> and this is the thing. That's an interesting phenomenon. By the way, that letter is signed by Scott Bullock, president and chief counsel uh, of the Institute for Justice. Uh, and they are located in Arlington, Virginia. Um, one of the things that's always amazed me, and I, I knew this was true before I was an attorney, but I, I became more acutely aware of it, is that when this case goes up on appeal, uh, if it goes to the Supreme Court, it would make even better law. But if it stays where it is right now, trust me, people are going to stop sending in those free books. Um, 
But interestingly, it's Valancourt Books that did this. It wasn't a big publisher that has attorneys sitting around cooling their heels waiting for something to do. Uh, it was a small publisher with the help of the Institute for Justice. And it reminds me of the First Amendment case that was brought by Larry Flint of Hustler. And now, of course, there were other reasons people didn't want to sign on to that case. But he wound up winning. And it was a big win for the First Amendment. And you always want to look at that and go, why are these big companies you know, not doing these cases? And the little companies are. I realize that Hustler wasn't a small company. But I'm simply pointing out that when the Hustler case, Larry Flint, went before the U.S. Supreme Court, there were a lot of companies watching that, going, boy, we hope he wins, but we don't want to get involved because of who he is. And so here, it's a small publisher who just said, I'm sick and tired of sending in my free books to Washington. It seems like I should be getting compensated for these, if nothing else. And why didn't these other publishers who are probably sending in tons of books, and it might just be, well, they could afford it. But it wasn't right. It wasn't right. And so once in a while, you got to take a look at a situation and go, you know something? That just ain't right. And that's what they did here with the Institute for Justice. So uh, the owner of Valancourt Books, James Jenkins, in 2018 filed this action, and the ruling just came down. And yes, that is, in fact, five years, give or take. So great story there from the Institute. Sent to me by a lot of people. Thank you very much. Uh, but it's in the newsletter. And again, I'll put a link to the Institute in the description below the video. They do great work like this. And that's why you should consider donating to them. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. To be or not to be. Those are the parameters.